Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. Uh, and I gotta be honest right now, I'm a little woo, and I don't even know what that woo means. But I just went to uh, a yoga class with my wife, Kristen, and it was so fantastic. I cannot begin this podcast without talking about it. Um, because normally I go to hot yoga, and some of you know this particular form of joy known as hot yoga, which is basically you step into the studio and you get blasted with Florida. <laughs> it is a sweat fest from the very beginning. And you're just drenched, and I love it. And then you walk outside, and you can walk outside, and it could be like 94. And you're like, oh, the cool breeze, because you have been in a hot box for an hour. I love it. But today, my lady, Kristen, says, why don't you come with me? Because she has a studio she goes to. Um, She's like, there's this fabulous teacher. You, you got to come see this. So I go to class with her, which isn't hot yoga. So basically, I step into the studio, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit chilly in here. And it was probably like 80-something. Um, and the teacher, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what she did. It was so masterful. And she was so calm and restrained. And like she had absolute command of the room, but not in like a controlling, loud, forceful way, in like a grounded, centered, the whole universe somehow resided within her heart. Do you know what I'm saying there? It's like you, you end up with odd metaphors to even try to explain it. But uh, it started so mellow. It started with like you're just sitting there and you're looking up and you're looking down and... Then it just, it was like a long, slow build to, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I was on, I don't know where I was. I mean, I was on the mat, but who knows where we were. Um, so it, it, oh, look at me, just <laughs> like mumbling into the microphone. Anyway, all that to say, I'm a little woo right now. Um, and so I'm raising my glass so good for sure. Now, uh, in this episode, this episode's called As Yourself. And uh, this episode, I'm going to tell you a story. But the story is, it's kind of a story that morphs into a sermon. So you'll see what I mean. Um, I first told this probably a year ago at a two-day event here in Los Angeles. I don't even know if I'd planned to tell this story. But it turned into like this story into a sermon. And I was so struck with people saying, why isn't, seriously, why have you not told that story before? Why is that not a Robcast episode? So, especially to the woman at the improv who wrote me and said, why isn't that story a Robcast episode? This is for you. Thank you for the prodding. So, um, oh, and uh, we have a two-day event coming up in Nashville. When I was on tour this summer in the South, the Bible Belt Tour, I was so struck with how many people are like ready to go. It's like there's a new a new breeze blowing, like there's a new spirit in the air. Um, and how many people wanted to talk about these questions of growth and change and why are things so polarized and are there actual stages of expanding consciousness that all of humanity is on at some place? Like, are there actual coherent, interesting ways to talk about what's swirling around us? 
within ourselves, within our communities, within our politics, within our nation, within our world. And uh, so I thought, you know what, I should come back here and talk about these things um, in greater length. So uh, Nashville, November 13 and 14, would love to be with you there. Um, the club is great uh, and would just, you know, who are we kidding? It's a good time. And then uh, what else we got going? Oh, yeah, there's another event as well the week before that here in Los Angeles. I'm doing an, um, the second of the Something to Say workshops, which is for those of you who are communicators in some shape or form, which is in some sense all of us. But if you um, speak, lecture, pontificate, write, um, this is where you come in a much smaller group, and I work with you on what you are creating, and we help get you unstuck, and we give you some tools. There's uh, something to say audio, which is a little under eight hours of me giving you my best content on the art of communicating, and then this is like the next step after that. And uh, so anyway, the October one filled up, but the November one, we just opened up another one. Um, and you can get all that info at robbell.com. And then, of course, there's always a Largo show coming. Um, I'll be doing my next Largo show October 4th. It's a whole new thing I'm doing on curiosity and the soul. And um, seriously, if you can get to Los Angeles for a Largo show, just that venue, it's so magical, I'm telling you. So there's a couple things going on. But now, uh, let's talk about this topic, which I've called as yourself, because Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think I've ever heard somebody give a teaching or a talk on the as yourself part. Um, it's, oh yeah, of course you should love your neighbor, but you love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I haven't heard much on this. And there's a reason why this is so important to me. And there's a reason why I understand the as yourself part, the way that I do. So in order to do that, I need to back way up. Um, 10, 11, 12 years ago, uh, my, my life uh, wasn't working for me. Um, and I probably even would have said that to you if we would have gotten in a discussion about this. There's something about it that didn't work. It was as if there's this bucket in the middle of your being, and I couldn't get the bucket filled enough. It felt like my work the way that I interacted, the what I was doing, it felt like I just kept getting the bucket poured out. It was just always empty. It was like, go, 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 work, work, work. Um, by the way, let me back up way before that. I have a grandparent who, when she was tucked in bed at night, her parents would ask her, what did you do today to earn your keep? I know. What did a kid was told every night was asked before she went to bed, what did you do today to earn your keep? Imagine the message that drills into a kid's head. Uh, so um, I like to say I came by this honestly, because these sorts of things get in the bloodstream. These things get in the, they get in the, the family tree. Um, and so I picked up somewhere along the way, work, 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 work. Keep going. Whatever you do, keep going. And if there is some emotion, frustration, pain, uh, maybe you deal with it. Probably, though, denial, or as I like to say, denial was my drug of choice. Just push it down and keep going. 
Um, honestly, if you would have told me what's the worst thing somebody could say about me, I probably would have said that I lazy, uh, or the idea that somebody was getting a free ride, or, or the idea that I was coasting, uh, or that uh, how about this phrase that you aren't pulling your weight. Um, oh, those sorts of phrases. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? I somehow picked up a lot of this. And so the way I did things is I just kept going. Let's write a book. Let's give another sermon. Let's go on tour. Let's make a short film. Let's give another sermon. Let's meet with 45 people in a row. Let's go write something else. Let's. And I was, I mean, that was, I was going all the time. And then what happened is whatever that is, it had merged with this Jesus idea of you're here to serve. It's not about you. It's about you serving. It's about you giving. It's about something bigger than yourself. It's about a purpose beyond you. And so this all for me created this toxic cocktail of I just went and went and went and went and gave and gave and gave and gave and created stuff and spoke and wrote and filmed and got on an airplane and then came home and then woke up the next morning and did it some more. Um, <clears throat> it's also funny, by the way, because I came up through Pastor World. If I had come up through, uh, let's say, Wall Street, and I pushed that hard, you'd be like, dude, you're kind of obsessed with money. We call that greedy. Um, but when, it's, when you're in the God business, I say that in quotes, then all sorts of things, all sorts of unhealth is fine because, well, hey, you're helping people, uh, you know. So it doesn't get called what it actually sometimes is, a couple layers below the surface. But whatever you do, just keep going. And then because I came up through Pastor World, from, a, from early 20s, there was always uh, somebody who needed something. There's always somebody getting cancer. There's always somebody losing their job. There's always somebody whose kids are on drugs. Um, and I loved helping people. But um, as I'm sure you, you have observed from your own noticing of the world, the needs never end. There are always needs. And then as long as we're throwing all this into the Vitamix of the soul, um, Add to all of this, uh, I don't know what word to use here. I guess you should call it success. Uh, uh, the church that we had started was growing. Um, my first book had come out and done uh, really well, uh, shockingly well, actually. We were making these short films that were going far and wide. And so something within me... Uh, I'm trying to think how to say this. I didn't want to become that guy. Are you with me on this? That, uh, you know what? There are like a helicopter. There is a siren. Let me close the door. There we go. A little quieter. So, um, I'm trying to think how to say this. Oh, I know how I can say this. I had a friend who was a pastor who was in town. And he was going to meet with a bunch of other big shot, fancy pants pastors. And he said, can you drive me to the airport to, to, for this meeting? And I thought, okay. 
So I drove him to the airport. I can't believe I'm telling the story. I've never told this story. This is one of the stories I'm going to tell you. But just now I'm thinking this is the only way to describe it. Um, I drive him to the airport because I'm thinking like airport because he has to get on a plane. But but it was a private airport he wanted to be driven to, and then we waited on like the private tarmac, and then these private pr- planes started landing that were had fancy pants, famous Christian pastors in them. And so gradually, these dudes are all getting out of their planes and shaking hands and meeting up on the tarmac before they go to their important pastor meeting. And I remember thinking, uh, don't become, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> At the time for me, somehow, I don't know what it was, but it was like, no. You got to go the other direction, man. Punk rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to go the other direction. Um, and around that time, um, we decided to move in to an old house in an urban area. Um, we decided to go down to one car because I um, wanted to take public transportation or walk or ride my bike everywhere. Um, I had this paranoia that I would be come this out of touch smile plastered on an entourage of assistants at my beck and call. Do you see what I'm saying? I had this, um, whatever you do, don't become that. So we went the other direction. Um, I call it the gospel of denial, which is how low can you go? Um, how much, how little can you get by on? And, uh, so we lived in a neighborhood where there were serious needs all around us. And by serious needs, like we discovered that one of our neighbors, their plumbing had completely um, broken down uh, like six or nine months earlier and that they had been um, going the bathroom in their backyard. Like that's like what we were at. So we were literally like calling plumbers and saying, could you please go to this address and fix whatever's broken and then send us the invoice? Like that was like what what it was what we were surrounded by um lots of homeless and the front of the house the front door was very close to the sidewalk and the front room of the house where you would like watch tv or just sit and relax there was a large glass window that looked right on to the sidewalk so when you were walking by the house you could look right in and if you didn't want anybody to look in then in the middle of the day you would close the blinds and then you'd be sitting in the dark. Do you know what I mean? So it was like a, it was like a fishbowl. Um, so I would go and do my work. I would go and speak. I would go and meet with people. I would go, and then I would come home, and it was like being on, but in, it was, it was, it was like more of the same. So what happened over time is I was never off. Um, it was go, 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 then come home, and go, 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 go. I mean, people would literally knock on the front door. And I remember a guy knocking on the door and being like, hey, would you marry my girlfriend and I? <laughs> Which is funny now, but at the time it was like, gradually, it, I was getting drained at some deep level. But you see this, uh, you know what? You're supposed to love your neighbor. Uh, which, which, which I took very literally. You know, Jesus says to love your neighbor. So 
I had it so deep in me. You're here to serve. The needs are real. What are you doing taking, you know, don't be lazy. Like, go, get, get help people. That's, what, that's, that's how it works. So I just pushed myself and went and went and went. And then uh, I was in Seattle. I did an event with Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu. And it was like this public event in an arena. I was meeting all these people. And I remember flying home across the country and getting home and just being like, I need like quiet. I need, uh, I don't want any more eyeballs on me. Does that make sense? Like psychologically, it was like, I just need to go in a cave somewhere for a little bit because um, I am cooked. But of course there was a... Uh, knock at the door and then there was a homeless guy on the porch and then there was a you know what I'm saying and then a guy down the street took a baseball bat and um, went into the local school you know that sort of thing so um it just wasn't working and I needed help and you know when you're uh desperate like you need some other way of seeing things because uh the way that I saw things wasn't Working. I was tired. There's like uh, intellectually tired. You just took the SAT, you're a little cooked. There is physically tired from a workout, from lifting heavy things all day, from serious labor outside in the hot sun. And, but then there is a soul Eucharist tired. When the body's been broken, the blood's poured out without the body being put back together and the blood being poured back in. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you are tired at a level of soul and spirit. Like you're flirting with the despair of what's the point of it. Um, oftentimes, by the way, despair, the what's the point of this, comes because you have exhausted the very life force at the center of your being. Um, and there's got to be some other way of thinking about this. That's what just kept going through my mind because this isn't working. Now, uh, it had been probably a year before this when I totally hit the wall. I'd been on tour in um, the UK, and the night I did Dublin, the organizer said to me, hey, by the way, Father Jack was going to be here, but um, he had something else, and he just wanted, um, otherwise he would have been here. And I was like, wait, Father Jack exists? Because for years, I had heard these stories about the legend of Father Jack. The stories were that the band U2 had had a guidance counselor when they were in junior high and high school named Jack. And he had become a priest, and then he had become their uh, pastor who traveled with them. So there were all these rumors that there was a distinguished older priestly gentleman named Father Jack who... Uh, traveled everywhere with the band and had been like the sort of spiritual North Star for them. So when I'm in Dublin, the guy says, Father Jack, and I'm like, wait, the Father Jack actually exists? Uh, yeah, yeah. The Father Jack, like the Father Jack? He's like, yeah. Um, and I had sort of tucked that away. Um, but then when I was at, when I had hit the wall and I was in bad shape, I was like, oh, I would... I would give anything to talk to Father Jack. And I have no idea why that popped into my head other than I had, and this is always, this is sort of weird when you're cooked. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're exhausted, the stuff that sort of floats around in your brain. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, especially when you're desperate. But I remember thinking, I know for sure <laughs> that nothing I'm going through would be that big or difficult for that guy. Like that is the, that guy, I know that guy would laugh at what I consider my problems. Somehow that was like what stuck in my head. Um, so I contacted that, that organizer and I was like, hey, remember you said that Father Jack, could I have his email? And so he gave me Father Jack's email. I emailed Father Jack and said, uh, if I came to Dublin, could I take you to lunch and just ask you some questions and get your wisdom? And I'm thinking, I'm going to get a, such a no, or I'm going to get like, a, a, I'm kind of busy. Do you, I'm kind of a, <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Um, and instead I got this lovely, gracious email that said, only if you sign my copy of Velvet Elvis. <laughs> ah, which was my first book. I was like, no way. So uh, I flew to Dublin to have lunch with Father Jack. And we meet and we start talking and I start uh, sort of spilling out all of my problems um, that doesn't work. I'm like empty. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do, I don't feel like I got any space to myself. I feel like I'm always on. It's like I'm giving and serving and trying to help all these people. And I sort of go on. I remember after lunch, we went to this garden that had, it had roses. So if you live in Dublin, you could tell me where we went. That, that was a large, really beautiful rose garden. I'd love to know where that was. Um, it's like, I was so absorbed in the presence of this extraordinary man. I, I was like, where, where are we? Okay, fine. And we're walking around and I finally come up for air because I have just, and he said, well, your problem, Rob, is you're trying to give a generous gift to the world, but you are unable to receive generously. It's quite unfair of you really, isn't it? Think of what you're asking the world. It's sort of unfair. You're trying to give a generous gift, but you can't receive generously. And then he went on. It's like he just, it was like a velvet hammer. You know what I'm saying? You know the best kind of wisdom? It appears sort of soft, uh, like the edges have been filed off. And that's why you sort of let down your guard. And then it actually makes its way in. And then you're just leveled. Uh, and he said, you're trying to give this big, generous, buoyant gift of God's grace to the world, but you won't receive this grace for yourself. Uh, I'm telling you, completely floored me. Completely floored me. And he's like, you do not take good care of yourself. And then you wonder why you have less and less to give. Uh, it's, it's almost as if he said, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. You, you don't love yourself well, so no wonder you're going to have problems loving your neighbor. As it's almost as if that's what he said. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like... Uh, by the way, that was the time I then um, got another name of somebody. As long as I was there in Ireland... 
I uh, emailed a guy and said, hey, could I come as long as I'm here? Could I come like today or tomorrow and meet you? And uh, so then I went to another city in the north called Belfast, and I had lunch with a guy named Pete Rollins. Come on! Uh, yes, that's all that happened. So anyway, um, let's now move from that moment in that garden full of roses uh, to what began to make more and more sense to me and began to turn the ship seriously. Um, oh, and I remember him saying, you might need to live, because I described like this glass window and how I feel like I can't even sit in my own house without somebody needing something from me. And he's like, I remember him saying, you might need to live in a house with a longer driveway. <laughs> that was like one of his things. Maybe you're going to need to live in a house with a longer driveway. And I remember just being like, that was like a revolutionary idea. He's like, if you're in public and all these people you're talking to, all these eyeballs on you, and uh, you're giving this gift that you're trying to give, then maybe perhaps you ought to offset that with uh, something a bit more private and out of the way where you can like rest and have everything put back in so that you can then give it again. I remember literally that was like, he might as well have built a rocket out of cheese and duct tape. <laughs> That's a weird image. But you know what I mean? He might as well have just done magic in front of me. Like that was such an unbelievable insight. It was almost like I had like, really? I, I could do that? <laughs> I could do that? So uh, let's take that story and then let's begin to move towards you and your life and how you live because what you do takes something out of you. What you do takes something out of you. If you're organizing, giving, healing, serving, funding, arranging, teaching, mentoring, uh, advising, uh, if you're raising kids, uh, whatever it is that you do, it, it, uh, it takes something out of you. Uh, if you're taking part in the ongoing healing and repair of the world, uh, the Hebrew phrase is tikkun olam. That's what we're doing here, right? We're taking part in the endless repair and restoration of the world, tikkun olam. You're doing that in some way. You're building a, an, an honest business that's good for the earth, good for your employees, good for the world. You're teaching people. You're working in a hospital. You're working as a lawyer. You're like healthcare, business, finance, government. Um, you're making, you're taking care of people's yard, like whatever it is that you do. Um, it takes something out of you. And so for you to give your best gift to us, for you to love your neighbor well, there has to be some space where, it, where the life gets put back into you. Um, otherwise, you become an empty shell. Um, you've given, but you haven't received. And you can only do that so long before you burn out. Or, in, in the case of many people, you begin to have a low level of bitterness. It's, it's, it's subtle, but it's just below the surface. Just a low level bitterness, a low level cynicism, 
uh, oftentimes within that is a passivity. This is just how my life is. Um, sometimes you'll see this with parents where this joyous gift of kids, and it is tough, especially if you're home when you have young kids at home. Woo! But but this joyous gift of kids becomes uh, a source of low-grade resentment, bitterness, and cynicism. Uh, especially to those of you moms, what you do, those of you parents who spend long hours with hyper small kids, um, and you're like, I can't do one more minute of Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, dear God, if I do 10 minutes more of Legos, I'm going to throw them in the fireplace along. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. You actually, actually, for you to give your gift, um, you, the empty shell, isn't good for anyone. And oftentimes we're trying to serve, give, love, and extend ourselves to others, but we have not loved ourselves well. And so we're an empty shell. The bucket is empty. By the way, it's interesting, in the Gospels, it's almost like every time there's a large crowd, one of the next passages is, then Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. There are literally a couple of times when his disciples, his students come to find him and they're like, everybody's looking for you. What are you doing here out in the middle of nowhere, just sitting around alone? Um, when the crowds and the responsibilities get greater, you find him retreating and withdrawing more. But in American culture, if the crowds are bigger, you add a service. Are you with me on this? In, in America, if you have more customers, then you add a, you add a branch, you add a second location. Um, at the very moment when you most need your tank to be full is when a lot of people start adding things instead of retreating and withdrawing to take care of themselves so that they can do their work with a full tank, with a full heart, with the fullness of their being. So there is this flow you giving to the world, whatever it is that you're here to do, begins with you receiving. You giving a big, generous gift begins with you receiving the big, generous gift of goodness, however it comes to you. And my observation, especially among leaders, executives, uh, spiritual leaders, um, sometimes among artists, I've seen this across so many different kinds of work, is for many people when they are genuinely caring for themselves so that they are in the kind of place where they can actually care for others, the first feeling that emerges for them is they feel selfish, uh, they feel lazy, it feels indulgent. Uh, the number of people I've met who... <laughs> Like they tell you that they just got back from vacation and they'll be like, wherever, we just went to Hawaii. And you'd be like, wow, that is awesome. And they'd be like, well, you have to understand someone gave us frequent flyer miles and we stayed in my Uncle Phil's condo, but we had to listen to a timeshare pitch for two hours on the second day. And then we had to like, and then we got a deal. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Stop telling me about all the deals you got, right? You went to Hawaii. That's fantastic. Just receive the goodness that comes your way. 
just receive it. I know somebody who, if you say to him, hey, that's a nice sweater, he'll be like, yeah, I got it on sale for 17 bucks. I got a second one too, but I got that one for even cheaper. Uh, everything has to have attached to it all the ways that they had a hand in it instead of, yeah, yeah, it came my way and I received it and I enjoy it. The antidote to bitterness, cynicism, and that low-grade resentment that all these people need me, these kids are so draining, that the antidote is when the good comes your way, you receive it, and you don't apologize for it, and you don't defend it, and you don't justify it. You love yourself by when the good comes your way, you just receive it and you lift up your arms and you expand your heart and you say thank you to the source of it. Are you with me on this? Are you with me on this? Are you one of those people who the moment you do something for yourself, you immediately feel guilty? By the way, let's just do a rant for a moment. There is a phrase in our culture to tell you how warped things are. There is a phrase people use, guilty pleasure. How jacked up is a culture when a phrase becomes part of the lexicon guilty pleasure as if it's pleasurable then obviously you should feel guilty about it do you see how this no, no, maybe some things are pleasurable that are, are out of whack and you should but as a whole can you see how deeply this thinking has gotten into the bloodstream and especially for people who have got mixed up with religion get mixed up with, uh, well, you're here to serve. So anything you do that doesn't explicitly, overtly look as though you are serving others, what are you doing? And so you have these phrases like guilty pleasure. Oh, you enjoyed it? Well, then something must have been wrong with it. Instead of, oh, you enjoyed it? Oh, what a great gift. How fabulous is that? Because you receiving, it fills you up. And now, now you actually have a shot at giving a good gift to those around you. You, you want to love your neighbor, you begin by loving yourself. And you begin by loving yourself by you receive the goodness that comes your way. You just receive it. And you don't apologize and you don't defend and you don't rationalize. Uh, you just receive it. One of the primary ways that you receive it is uh, you change the voices in your head. If you have voices in your head that tell you you're a bad parent, how is that ever going to be good for your kids? If you're in a relationship and, in, and the voice in your head is you always screw up relationships, how is that ever going to be good for the relationship that you're in? So part of loving yourself is, is you change the voices in your head. You begin to change that language from I'm a bad parent to I'm learning how to be a parent to these kids. Uh, you change that voice from I always fail at everything I try to I don't give up. Apparently no amount of failure can stop me. And if I just keep trying, maybe at some point I'll nail it. Do you see how deeply the framing language and the voices in our head and the things we tell ourselves is rooted in how we understand the receiving of the gift, the gift of grace, the gift of unconditional acceptance, uh, the announcement that we are loved exactly as we are.
the proclamation that we're already at the party. We're already the daughter. We're already the son of the divine. Yeah, do you see how deep this goes, my friends? And so many people, the moment a good comes their way and they just say, oh, yes, let's do it. Let's buy that, receive that, go there, take that trip, get on that plane, enjoy that free meal. Something kicks in like, no, no, we have to, uh, uh, here's one. You go to dinner at somebody's house. You're walking out the front door and you turn to them and you say, oh, we'll have to have you over sometime. Now, sometimes that comes from a beautiful place. It comes from, we'd like to see these people more. This was great. But sometimes that voice comes from, oh, they gave us this gift. Of course, we have to reciprocate. We would never want to be seen as freeloaders. You know what I'm talking about here, right? You're with me on this, my friends. You're tracking with me. <laughs> and what happened to me is I realized I didn't take good care of myself. I didn't receive because I was so terrified, paranoid. I don't even know what the language to use there. That, uh, that I would somehow be seen as getting a free ride. And what happened is it directly, it was like crimping the hose. and uh, I couldn't get any water out of the nozzle. So I'm wondering, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have much to give people. Uh, but hey, look at how low I can go. Gospel of denial. Look at me. I literally one time took a taxi to give s sermons on a Sunday. <laughs> because I was so like, I don't need a car. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, I need to get there fast. I would ride my bike like hours to get somewhere because I was like, I don't even need a car. Apparently a car, <laughs> I was about to say something. Okay, I should just say it. It was, this is so, literally my thinking was like, I don't even need a car. I can be so low to the ground. I can be so simple. I can be so missional. I can be so, and it was like, yeah, but when I don't have a car, then I'm, I end up riding my bike in January in the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need a car. Apparently, I don't need a brain. Um, there's a point at which it was just flat out stupid. And ultimately, it was like that tank just got lower and lower and lower. And then when I started thinking about it in a whole new way. Man, what's interesting is I had so much more to give. I had so much more to give. Yeah, now, uh, one more thing we need to say. We need to talk about the people around you. Uh, let me just say a few things. In terms of loving yourself, any friend who cannot celebrate the goodness that comes your way, the grace that comes your way, your influence, your power, your job, your money, your talent, your whatever it is. Any friend who cannot celebrate the good that has come your way can't be your friend. How are you going to give a big, generous gift to the world? How are you going to love your neighbor if you are surrounded by people who have a problem with the goodness and the flow that is transpiring through you. Because that's how it works. It's a flow. You receive and you pass it on. That's how it works. How can you give a big, generous gift if you have people around you who are opposed to the goodness that comes your way? A friend has to be able to celebrate your bigness, largeness, your voice, 
what it is you're here to do. Oh, and by the way, when some good comes your way and somebody in your life says, ah, must be nice, this is not somebody then who is able to handle your life. Generally, what happens is people have been unable to accept the good that has come their way, and they are not reconciled to their path. But instead of doing that work, they simply take shots at the goodness that comes your way. And so central to loving yourself is boundaries. If there are people who, when you leave their presence, you are drained to the bone and have nothing more to give, not because you were giving to them, but because they have a problem with you and your path, then we're going to have to set up boundaries with those folks. Uh, you can love some people from a distance. And uh, we'll probably should do a few episodes in the future about this. But it's important to understand that loving yourself means not putting yourself in situations where toxic, destructive voices are allowed to fire hose and machine gun you with negativity. Why would you do that? We need the full you. And if you spent 43% of your energy today just cleaning out the toxins from people around you, and this may be people very close to you or historically who are close to you, if you spent 43% of your energy today just getting the toxins off you that came from the things those people said to you, calling into question you, your goodness, your gift, your path, then uh, that is not a good use of your energies, of your sacred, holy, God-given energies. You are here to steward those energies so that you can love your neighbor, and it begins by loving yourself. And that means certain people you have to say, we're not going to email about this again. Certain people, you can't be around them for long hours. Some people you might not be able to be around, period. And it's not because you aren't kind, loving, generous, full of grace, whatever, whatever. It's because you're here and you're a gift to us and we need the full you because that's how it works. So there, my friends, love your neighbor as yourself. It's so funny. For so many years, I've thought, I've never heard a sermon on as yourself. Um, and there, we have righted a wrong. Perhaps you've heard tons and you're like, Rob, everybody's talking about this. What are you talking about? Uh, but for me, all of this, especially what 10, 11, 12 years ago, that summer when I went to Dublin um, and Father Jack uh, passed away. Uh, in the past year, and uh, he was a truly an extraordinary man. Everybody I know who knows him was like, yeah, he, he was, what a, I feel like he's still with me. I know other people feel the same way, like words he said to us still sort of follow us around everywhere we go. Um, what a man of depth and conviction and wisdom. Um, he... Yeah, he was like a serious Jesus presence, you know what I'm saying? What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. And especially having lunch with some guy from the States. Oh, by the way, partway through the lunch, he goes, wait, did you fly here just to have lunch with me? <laughs> I was like, I am a desperate man. It's like partway through, he like did the math, partway through the lunch, he was like, wait, did this, this guy come here all the way just to talk to me? But that's how it is when uh, things aren't working. And, and to those of you who it's not working, um, 
whatever you do, don't settle. Whatever you do, the worst, the most lethal thing is to say, I guess this is just how it is. No way. You kick against those goads. Put up your fists. Like, fight your way out of it. Ask questions. Get a notebook. Start interviewing people. Like, read, whatever. Go after it. But whatever you do, the, well, I guess this is just how it is. No way. No way. We don't do that around here. We, we don't do that. We don't do, I guess this is just how it is. Now, if you're going to get a tattoo, if you're going to put something on the wall of your office or your car or your kitchen, like a slogan, we don't do, I guess this is just how it is around here. <laughs> that is the bulkiest mantra ever, but I'm going with it. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself, my brothers and sisters. Grace and peace.